Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 18, week 18, volume fucking 18. Welcome to the show, guys. Big show this week. We've got all the Mosh news. We've got Mosh reviews. And I sit down for a fucking phenomenal chat with Ethan of Great American Ghost. First up is the Mosh news. And first thing we have to talk about is the massive Parkway Drive news that they achieved the number one ARIA charts in Australia. Massive congratulations to the guys. They've done it again. They're a band that down here have been able to achieve it multiple times now. And this album, Reverence, as you would have known if you tuned in last week, we gave it a massive 10 out of 10. It's such a solid album. And to see this album where they've really pushed themselves and really pushed the boundaries of their sound to be able to achieve a number one is great things for the guys. Great to see. It's also really good to see because... With all of these kind of things in the modern day environment that we have and the keyboard warriors that have come out and attacked this band, it's still good to see that so many people support this band and love this album. So it got to number one. Great thing for Parkway Drive to hit number one. So we're stoked for the boys. Uh, The massive news this week is regarding Deftones. Over the last few weeks, there had been a few hints that the Deftones were working on new music. Nothing had been confirmed, but Chino has come out and made a statement regarding it, and he has confirmed that they are writing a new album. He's quoted as saying, There are six or seven songs at the moment. They are very powerful, and I am anxious because, as I told you before, it's been a collaborative process. I think all our albums were postcards of what we were going through at each moment. Everyone has their own feelings because it belongs to an era. But today we are older guys, I suppose, but we still enjoy making songs with marked riffs, cool melodies, and a lot of groove. It is fun. So he's confirming that they're definitely in the studio or in the writing process, but he's also saying that, you know, the process now is obviously a bit more challenging. They're a band that have grown a lot over the time, so it's interesting that. And then he also mentioned that Carpenter is very active in the writing process this time around, unlike the previous album, Gore, which... That album has split a lot of people's opinion, but he said that Carpenter's back in the writing process for this album, and he's quoted as saying, we really want Stefan to have a strong role on all albums. But in the case of Gore, it did not turn out the way we wanted. Most of his problems were not about Deftones, but about personal things. The best part is that now we are writing songs for the new album, and unlike Gore, it's been a joint effort. So really excited that he's back in the process. That should mean some bigger riffs, some bigger guitar work on this next album. There's not much else known at the moment, but we will keep you updated on our website and social medias. A lot of new music videos this week were dropped. The British hardcore boys Broken Teeth dropped a new music video for their song Riot of the Mind. Seven Dust released a music video for their song Medicated. Impending Doom released another brutal track called Everything's Fake. 
Virals released a new music video for their song Empire of Dirt. I Prevail released a music video for their song Rise. Light This City also released a music video for their song Agents of Fate. All those music videos can be found on our website and also you can find links to those on our social medias. The other bit of exciting news this week, definitely for myself but definitely for anyone that is a fan of hardcore, is that Terra have confirmed and shown that they are in the studio recording album number seven. The Californian hardcore legends have confirmed that they are in the studio with Will Putney tracking as we speak and the release should be sometime later in the year. It's going to be a really interesting combination, Putney with everything he's done. You know, he's done bands like Thy Art Is Murder and The Acacia Strain and now he's linked up with Terra. Really excited to hear this as an absolute diehard Terra fan. I'm fucking frothing. Cannot wait. We don't know much else at this moment. It is just in the early stages of recording, but as we get updates, we will keep you updated. So always keep an eye on our website and social medias. So that's it for the news this week. It was pretty low-key week in case of news. A lot of music videos, like I said, but also the exciting news of Deftones and Terror. As always, if you want to keep up to date... There is a few ways you can, and we really recommend it because that way you can get all the news as soon as we post it. Now, an easy way of doing that is going to our website, which is www.themoshzone.com. As soon as you go there, you'll be prompted with a subscribing link. Simply enter your email, and every time something's posted, you'll be sent an email. That way you can always keep up to date. Another alternative which we really recommend is get on our social medias and give us a like and a follow. That way, whenever we post something there, you'll also know about it. Of course, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and all of those are at The Mosh Zone. So keep an eye out on all of those. We keep you updated as we are updated. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First album up for review this week is the new album by Shinedown called Attention Attention, out now on Atlantic Records. Shinedown have been a band that have been around for a while it feels like now. They first formed in 2001 and they've got a massive discography and catalogue that is very much known for having massive hooks within it. They have choruses that are built for massive arenas. It's always been kind of alternative post-grunge sounding. They're a band that have always had that rock attitude to themselves and have always put in the hard yards and gained themselves a lot of attention over the last few years. This album, Attention, Attention, is album number six for the band, and the band have cited that this will be their most personal and raw offering so far. Now, this album certainly wears its heart on its sleeve in a lot of the places, but the evidence of being raw seems to be kind of lacking. Their power, their immense rock power feels like it's really not there anymore compared to the rest of their back catalogue. A rare example of how the power of Shinedown can be delivered 
is in the leading single they released called Devil. Really sets the tone for this album and really lets you know what's coming ahead. It's got a very grand, dramatic, theatrical feeling and it's got a very cherished and beloved Shine Down sound. It's got that big riffage, it's got angst-riddled verses and it's got soaring, dramatic choruses. Choruses that are so big in melody and hooks that on first listen you don't necessarily know it but you hum along anyway. They have that unique ability to write music that sticks in your head and Devil is a perfect example of that. But a thing about this album when I say that it's not necessarily raw is because I feel like the production is a bit too slick. It's a bit overproduced. It's a bit too shiny. And while that to some people won't be a negative, for a band like Shinedown who have always been gritty and had that unique feeling of underground sounding, the polished feeling I believe takes away too much of that edge. It really feels too polished. It really does. I can't emphasize that enough. It's too massive sounding, which is very, you know, it's a very catch-22 phrase, but it really is too large sounding. A big example of that is the song Get Up. Now, while it has some very encouraging, admirable lyrics that are about struggling with depression, it unfortunately comes across as a Savage Garden rock song. It has no edginess to it and it has no real attitude and it certainly doesn't feel raw. It Unfortunately, it's a massive miss. There's then the immediate following track, which is called Special, really isn't special. It's it's very painfully melancholy, and it has this really weird golf clap. Like, I wouldn't even call it a golf clap. That's insulting golf claps. But it is this weird kind of applause thing going on near the end of it that isn't needed. And the moment or the effect that you're trying to create just makes you feel annoyed you're like what are you doing stop clapping no stop stop that no 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 that's not needed unfortunately someone thought that was a good idea to put in that song and it definitely has created something special if you know what i mean while this album attention attention doesn't always hit the mark it sometimes does hit the mark and they're on unfortunately only a few occasions song like monsters really has a very strong vocal performance and has this guitar sound that suddenly does sound post-grungy and a little bit edgy at last. Another highlight is a song called Black Soul, which really builds on a simple, slow-burning industrial synth hook and then just builds into this booming track. Now, the thing with those two songs, while they do feel a bit edgy and a bit post-grungy old-school shinedown unfortunately because of the amount of polish and production onto it unfortunately don't feel as effective as they would have if these songs were found on a previous album by shinedown for everything that should be loud and dirty unfortunately feels squeaky clean and this is perfectly shown on the song pyro which could sound really good but because of how clean it is, no, I just, it was just a no. I didn't want it. I didn't want it at all. 
you have to tip your cap to Shinedown because they are being brave and bold and really trying to adventure through their creative juices on this album. They've demonstrated very little fear in trying to extend their reach and extend their scope with an audience. Their catalogue has always had a lot of intense labour and intense passion. It's just disappointing in this album that that isn't translating. It is hopeful, it is buoyant, it is optimistic. But unfortunately, Shinedown feel like on this album they've lost some of that charm that they've always had. They feel like they've really parted ways with their edge and their rawness and made way for more accessible poppy sound. The album is for fans of Shinedown. It is for fans of radio rock. It is for fans of those big soaring melodies, those big hook feeling choruses. It is for fans of bands like Finger Eleven, Breaking Benjamin, Evanescence, these kind of bands. The album we are talking about is Attention, Attention. It is by Shinedown. It is out now on Atlantic Records, and we do give it a 4 out of 10. Next album up for review is the new album by Five Finger Death Punch called And Justice For None, out now on 11.7 Music. This album is number 7 for Five Finger Death Punch, and whether you like them or not, you know that Five Finger Death Punch are nowadays one of the biggest names in the heavy music genre. They're a band that can tour throughout the world and sell out arenas. They can headline music festivals and they sell merch like it's going out of fashion. And the other thing that they do, whether you like it or not, is they probably, whether people recognize it, they do bring in a lot of people into the heavy game. They're probably bringing in some younger fans who've never really heard heavy music into heavy music. Now, where they go from there, it's always interesting because bands like Five Finger Death Punch aren't playing with bands like Code Orange and these kind of really forward-thinking heavy bands. They're playing with bands like Bad Wolves and Breaking Benjamin and Hollywood Undead. But the fact is they are bringing people into the heavy game. Now, like I said earlier, Five Finger Death Punch are a band that you'll either love or hate and you're either going to love or hate this album or just don't give a fuck about it one thing with reviewing albums is I have to listen to the album several times to really get a good gauge of it and the other thing is really trying to go into each album with an open mind I try not and go in with any biased feelings or biased expectations which can be very hard you sometimes go in going really want to fucking like this or oh I don't think this is going to be good so it was really hard approaching this album and reviewing it is going to be pretty short and simple to be honest if you know five finger death punch you know what this album is and justice for none is five finger death punch by numbers there is the occasional song that is a bit better than the last then there's a lot of very b-side feeling songs from previous albums It is exactly what you expect. There's no curveball here. There is the cringeworthy middle finger to the world lyrics. There's the galloping 
marching sound drums in the verses. There's those guitar solos. There's that very similar overused chugs going on. Everything about Five Finger Death Punch, what they started, is still here on album number seven. There's no real room for complaint if you're a Five Finger Death Punch fan. It will please their existing fan base. But for for an outsider or a casual listener, I don't think there's much to really draw them in. If you are really going to listen to a Five Finger Death Punch, you probably want to go back to the start if you're going to listen to an album. There's no real point tuning in now at album number seven because the songwriting is very well done. They do their job fantastically, but mm, eh, that's about it. One thing that constantly, like I mentioned, is the lyrics and how cringy they were. It really got to me. This 16 tracks on this album and 16 tracks of the same fucking lyrics over and fucking over and fucking over. I was like, ugh, ugh. Classic example is the song Fake, where he's saying, fuck you, you're fake, all this, you know, it's 14-year-old fucking lyrics that is in every song pretty much that attitude that you know i've learned to swear mum so now i'm gonna swear in every fucking song no no thank you the acoustic songs or the ballad songs really grind my gears and made it painful to listen it is too much an interesting side note is there's two covers on this there's a country song called Blue on Black and they also cover The Offspring and the songs don't really stand out they just sound like Five Finger Punch playing a song Um, if you know those covers you go oh yeah it's fucking you know it's Offspring fuck alright their their attention to detail is always there They're, they're a band that always focus on what they do they focus on their marketing and you have to give them credit for it they they know what they're doing and they're just doing it it's it's a it's a machine. This is a money making machine, Five Finger Death Punch, and they're making money, and they will off this album without a fucking doubt. I don't really want to go on about this album too much because there's really not much to it. It's sixteen tracks. It's Five Finger Death Punch. It is what you expect it to be. Is it evolution in their sound? No. Is it pushing boundaries? No. Does it sound fresh in the landscape of things? No fucking way. If you like Five Finger, give it a go. If you don't like Five Finger Death Punch, just don't worry about it. Skip this album, avoid it, just leave it alone. This is for fans of Five Finger Death Punch. That's all you have to say. The album we are talking about is And Justice For None. It is by Five Finger Death Punch. It is out now on 11.7 Music. And we do give it a 4 out of 10. Our last album up for review this week is the new album by At The Gates called To Drink From The Night Itself. Out now on Century Media Records. Now, when you speak of At The Gates, you're speaking about, without a doubt, one of the pioneers of the melodic death metal genre, They're also one of those bands that really came through and brought about that whole Gothenburg sound that we refer to. 
I first got to know the name and the band At The Gates when I grew up in Norway. They were really fresh on the scene at that time. They were a big name on the scene. Them, Soilwork and In Flames and Arch Enemy were all these pioneering bands in that Scandinavian scene. You're either into the black metal or you're into this melodic death metal that these bands really brought forward and pioneered at the time. At The Gates came around with their debut album in 92, but it wasn't until their fourth album called Slaughter of the Soul did they truly become a massive, renowned band. That album, if you haven't heard it, you need to go back and have a listen. It's not only renowned through critics and bands, but also fans alike, and it's a shining example of what melodic death metal is. It's bursting at the seams with emotion, technical prowess and aggression. Highly recommend that album if you haven't heard it. Now, if we fast forward to 2014, we saw At The Gates return after a 12-year hiatus with their album At War With Reality. And now, four years later, we have To Drink From The Night Itself. This album... On one hand, the band have got the pressure of not only trying to create a good record or a great record, but they also have the pressure of living up to that legacy and that legend status that I referred to earlier. Now, where does this album sit in the discography of At The Gates? It sits in perfectly. This is a phenomenal record released by the guys and it stacks up alongside Slaughter of the Soul perfectly. This album feels like it's still from the mid to late 90s by the band. And you also would be surprised to know that with this album, they lost longtime lead guitarist Onders, and they were able to keep going and still produce this album. Like with a lot of At The Gates albums, this album is in many ways what they called a concept album. It's got a very obvious, rich theme that examines our culture and the struggle of existence that we live in. So At The Gates always do this with their albums and they've done it again with To Drink From The Night Itself. At The Gates apparently really wanted to capture the feeling of desperation for struggle and a desperation of resistance where victory apparently remains futile but the fight is constantly continued. So this album is not only art for these guys, but it's also passionate. And At The Gates have definitely delivered. The album opens with Der Weedstun, which is an introduction that has pianos playing and a choir singing in between pieces of instrumentation. There's the orchestral strings going on and has a very gothic, very macabre feeling And it comes across not only in a haunting way, but also very romantic feeling. It feels very epic and emotional and a perfect way to really start and build the the suspense for this album. The title track comes next and it's just straight into what you expect. It's got the absolute savage pummeling drums, vibrant guitar rhythms, high tempo bass, And then it has this smooth production over the top that makes it feel not necessarily 
garage and old school, but very modern and present. The next song, A Stair Bound in Stone, starts off with a very mid-tempo rhythm. The guitars are interplaying and have a very smooth feeling to them. The bass, as always in this band, is very present. It's very thunderous and it's in your face from the offset. There's no lost in the mix with the bass. The drums are very rampagic. A lot of ferocity, a lot of high tempo and a lot of high tone. Then the vocals, they come through with this absolute anger, this absolute pain and so much melody, which is hard to really say exists in melodic death metal, but they have a way with the vocals to remain aggressive but have this tinge of melody and hooks to them that if you haven't heard at the gates it's all over this album and a stair bound in stone that track is a perfect example of it another highlight on this album for me was a song called daggers of black haze which starts off with this very moody piano work it feels very gentle and slow building and out of nowhere the tempo changes and it gets very high speed very hectic feels like it's going to just lose its grasp at any minute. Then all of a sudden the guitars are twangy but they're frenetic when they need to be. The drums and bass and vocals all maintain the higher pace that's constantly going in this song. It feels so haunting and so desperate in this music. Lindeberg, the vocalist, he always has this way to feel very poetic but to the point, very aggressive, and he encapsulates lyrics in a perfect way. Throughout this album, there is so much emotion, and he feels so angry and cold and ravenous throughout. Without a doubt, when you speak of At The Gates, you know that their technicality and their musicianship is always on another level. There's so many different inflections of tone and pitch the fans of this band will not be disappointed. You've got all the melodies, all the rhythms, all the groove. And the band never just sit on their laurels. They don't create the same songs. There are tinges of everything that sounds a little bit similar to what they've done, but everything feels fresh. And a band that's been around this long to still be able to do that and do it this well is without a doubt commendable. Something that's really fascinating about this album in 2018 is I don't think we thought we would have a new At The Gates album in 2018. Nowadays, a lot of metal bands try to really mix up everything. They try to incorporate so many elements. Sometimes it works, but quite often it fails. One thing At The Gates do is they know they do melodic death metal and they stick to it and they hone their craft rather than dabbling and playing around with every other genre. Some people might critique this band and say it's very straightforward, it's very formalatic, but the fact is, if you're saying that, I don't think you're an At The Gates fan, I don't think you're a melodic death metal fan. There's absolutely nothing wrong or bad about this album at all. It's got remarkable quality and this album will grow and grow and in a few years time we'll be calling it another classic album. 
to drink from the night itself really is astonishing in every sense. This album has not only embodied at the gates, but it's also embodied a 2018 at the gates. There's so much professionalism, there's so much mastery, there's so much passion in this band. This album is chilling and brutal, it's beautiful and it's brutal at the same time. I really, really, really highly recommend this album. If you haven't quite given At The Gates a chance yet or you never quite got around to giving them a go, I think this is the perfect place to start. If you're a fan of bands like Arch Enemy, Soilwork, In Flames, in those early years of those bands, you will definitely like this At The Gates album. If you're after something that's going to take you on a bit of a journey and really explore the landscape of melodic death metal or music in itself, give this a go. If you like your frantic vocals and your massive riffs, give this a go. This album we are talking about is To Drink From The Night Itself. It is by At The Gates. It is out now on Century Media Records. And we give it without a doubt a 10 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews for this week. All over, done and dusted. What did you think? Let us know. Do you agree with our reviews? Do you disagree with our reviews? Get in touch. Send us an email. Hit us a message over social medias. Also, is there something that's come out that we might have missed? Is there an album on the way that you want us to review? Get in touch. Let us know. Also, don't forget, if you're in a band and you have an album or an EP coming out and you want it considered for review, get in touch. Of course, if you want to get in touch, you can send us an email, themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com, or we're on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with at themoshzone. Coming up next is my chat with Ethan of Great American Ghost. It was an absolute honor and privilege to have the guy on the show. An absolute legend, a solid dude. Really good chat, really good insight to not only about the band, but also about himself. Really an honor, really a privilege. That chat with Ethan is coming up now. So I thought we'd start with, um, you know, do you remember what age you were and how you discovered music in general? Like, do you remember what artist it was? Like, what made you go, yeah, I think I love music? <laughs> yeah, um, there's always that, like, artist that, uh, you know, changes you from listening to, like, what your parents listen to to making you listen to what you listen to, you know? Yeah. And uh, strangely enough, mine was a band that my mother showed me. Um, my mother's British and she showed me the clash. She, uh, wow. Gave me London calling. Yeah. She gave me London calling. I was probably like 11 and, um, yeah, just, I don't know. just changed my whole life. Made me a totally different human being. So, uh, yeah, I owe it, I owe it to her, I guess. And I owe it to the clash for, for changing the whole, the whole game for me. Now, was your mum very musical orientated? Was she always playing music around the house? Yeah, you know, I feel like, um, I don't know, I hear interviews a lot where people say that, you know, that their parents were very musical and they always listen to music. I, I, um, 
I was in a, a really musical house. I didn't know that, though. You know, when you're, like, growing up and you hear a lot of music all the time, you don't know that other people don't. But, um, yeah, I was, like, constantly listening to there's a lot of classic rock in my house. And classic rock's cool, you know, like, it's great. And uh, I can appreciate a lot of stuff. I can appreciate the Beatles and all that stuff. It's all great. But, you know, there's, like, that, there's got to be that one moment where you hear that one band that, like, makes you realize that music can, you know, alter you as a human being, you know, it's not just like background music. So there was always, uh, there was always some songs playing in the background of our household. But, you know, like I said, the one that like changed the game for me was the clash. And the funny thing is that my parents don't listen to the clash really like on a day to day, you know, she just kind of like pulled it out of the woodwork and, uh, started me off being like a, a little shit bag. I don't know if I can swear. Yeah. You can I swear all you want though. Yeah, swearing's fine. I knew, I knew you, you Australians, you Australians don't give a fuck. No, we, we give zero fucks given by us. No, no care. <laughs> good, good, I'm glad. Um, now, was Clash, obviously it's not, I mean, some people would say it's not heavy music, but it is heavy in a form of ways. Now, what was... Yeah, then it was, you know. Yeah, but what was that, that was the starting point, obviously, but what was the... What was the real heavy band for you that made you go, this is the genre or this is the style of music I want to listen to? Yeah, there was, um, so there were a lot of local bands around where I was from. I'm from, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. So, uh, I'm actually technically from New Hampshire, but whatever. So, you know, around Boston, um, there's just a lot of bands. There's a lot of local bands around and they were all kicking around all the time. And I was kind of getting into that, you know, like getting into the punk scene and then, uh, I remember I went to a show and uh, it was a band called Misery Signals. Mm. And uh, they, yeah, they played, it was before their first record ever came out. It was like years, I don't know, it must have been like 2004. And um, I just remember being at the show and being legitimately scared, like legitimately terrified of what was going to happen. It was so violent and like crazy and the music was so heavy and it was nothing that like I'd ever fucking, you know, experienced before. So I just remember like feeling like I was going to die and then <laughs> leaving and being like, I have to do that all the time. Like I need that now constantly. You know what I mean? Like I just, I knew I needed to do it more. That was probably the first band that ever like made me realize it's that hardcore and metal were like a real thing. And that's something that I wanted to be a part of. So, yeah, now, that was probably the first time that they had Misery Signals. So it kind of might go back a bit. So what was the first album you bought with your own money? Was it something like Misery Signals or is it going to be something funny like, you know, New Kids on the Block or something? I mean, what what was your first album? <laughs> no, it it was uh it was um Green Day Dookie. Oh, nice start. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you well, when they, I think they sold like 22 million copies of that record. When you sell 22 million copies of the record, everyone has one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like everyone bought that record. So, so I bought that. That was the first record I ever purchased. And you were saying gr you grew up mainly in Boston. Like we'll just say you grew up in Boston. Uh, what was? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we know over here, Boston. As you said, there is a lot of bands coming from Boston, but. What was it like growing up there as a kid that was into the hardcore and the metal? Was it a, a welcome environment or is it still a bit of against the grain being into this kind of music? You know, it was, it was strange. It was like a little, it was, a, it was a microchasm, right? Because you're, you're, you're in this thing 
I just remember, you know, going to high school. First of all, like when you're when you're from around here, you don't realize how lucky you are because, you know, you've got like American Nightmare or The Suicide File or The Hope Conspiracy, all these bands that are like legendary, my favorite bands of all time. They're all from this area. So you don't realize that there are places in the world that don't have anything. So you just think that that's how it is everywhere. So growing up, you go to these shows and um, they're like this little world. They're like your your world, you know, that you exist in. And then um, when you go and go to school or do something normal, like a normal person, you're weird, right? Like you're an outcast <laughs> and you're against the grain. So like you're a weirdo. But it doesn't matter because like on, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes Thursdays, like you're just with, you know, I had no friends in high school, but it's not because I was like the weird kid that like, you know, had no friends. I wasn't like the crazy person, but I just didn't care because I had this other totally different family that like, that was what my life was about. It was about my friends that I went to the shows with and like, that's how it was. So it feels like, so it sounds like Boston definitely has a scene unto itself, basically. Yeah, man. I mean, one of the best, probably one of the best in the world. I mean, I've, I've toured around a lot and, you know, I wouldn't say it's better than anybody else's specifically, but I would definitely say that it's, it is, uh, we're very lucky. We're very lucky to have it the way it is, you know, coming up, there were shows every weekend and they were like shows that you would, again, like when you, when you were coming up, you didn't realize, but you know, being able to go see, you know, fucking Bane play with Snapcase and, you know, some other band in, in like a church in Boston, like wasn't a weird thing. Fuck that, that, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, you got me tingling. I wish we had that down here. Fuck. Um, so <laughs> well, they eventually they eventually made it to you probably ten they years did. later. They did, but they they came down to us just as they were starting to break up. So it was you know bittersweet to <laughs> yeah, say the well, least. Um, is, well, you guys, hey, you guys have the, you guys have the iron murder, so I think you're fine. Yeah, uh, you, we, we've got a couple. Um, so what what ins- <laughs> yes. what inspired you to grab a microphone? Then I mean, obviously there was bands like Misery Signals that brought you in and kind of lit up your eyes, but what made you go, I want to be a vocalist? Like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, you know, um, I was a bass player. Oh. Like, the first thing I ever did, the first thing I ever did in a band was play bass because I I played guitar a little bit and uh, I wasn't very good. And when you're not very good at, ba- at guitar, you just play bass. Yeah. So I, I started a band and I played bass and um, I played bass for a long time. You know, I was in a band playing bass for a really long time. And then this Great American Ghost is probably about five years old. I think we've been a band for five years. I think I've been doing vocals for six. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I I basically just decided I was going to go be a vocalist and then it just kind of like happened. So, you know, I started off a bass player and then eventually some band around my area needed a vocalist and I just decided that I was going to try and I did and it worked. And for some reason they picked me and it went from there, you know. So you've never taken lessons or training, and it, or has it just been a um, you've learnt as you've gone along? Yeah, you know, weird. Weirdly enough, I I took like singing lessons when I was younger because I wanted to, because I just wanted to. I wanted to be a good singer, um, which helped a lot. It's helped a lot doing like vocals, even this way. But uh, but no, no, not really. You know, other than those like singing singing lessons, I've never. I like done a professional 
lesson on how to scream. It just kind of like, it just comes out, you know, like that's just how it worked out. I'm lucky too. Cause, um, I know a lot of people have a really hard time keeping and, and not losing their voice and, you know, doing multiple takes when they're recording, et cetera. I've never had that problem. It's just kind of like, I'm just really lucky. I just, the way I do it works perfect for me. It just never, I never blow my voice out. I just, I'm, I'm really fortunate. Fuck. Now, you said you were in bands before Great American Ghost. How did the start of Great American Ghost happen? Like, how did it all come about? Yeah, I, um, well, I was in a band. I was in bands, and then uh, I toured with a band from Boston, actually, called Vanna. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. we toured a lot. Yeah, yeah, we, we toured a lot. And um, then I I quit that to start another band. And, um, you know, the way Great American Ghost came together was basically... I uh, I decided that I wanted to start something new, and um, I knew there was a couple dudes that I really wanted to be in bands with, just like a couple guys that were around the area, and all their bands broke up, kind of all at the same time. And so I just kind of like assembled them together, and we started Great American Ghost, and and it just went from there. And ever since, it's just been kind of like you know, our dudes will drop off, like some of every person. The only two original members are me and Joey, the bass player. Um, so other than that, we've lost like six or seven members, I think. Wow. And um, they've always they've always quit, and they've always gone on to do cool things. You know, like one of our dudes is a professional fighter. One of our dudes tour manages Manchester Orchestra. You know, like all these dudes went off and did cool stuff, and we've been lucky enough to get um, get good members to replace them. So, yeah, we've just kind of gone from there. But it started off just kind of me just assembling a – group of dudes that I wanted to play with and we just went from there you know best we could now one thing about the sound is you guys incorporate a lot it's got you know it's got that metal tinge to it but it's also old school hardcore in parts but then it's you know this modern sounding hardcore as well was it something that you guys aimed to achieve or was it set out for or did it just all naturally happen that way yeah you know it it really naturally happened i think that what it really was was um we were just a straight up hardcore band to me you know like they we were the kind of hardcore band that i wanted us to be um we sounded a lot like american nightmare and um we we're fast you know super duper fast and then um what happened was somebody one of our dudes quit um and we got our guitar player, that's our guitar player now, his name is Nico. And uh, he had never heard the bands that we were inspired by. Like, we just, I knew, I just knew he was a great guitar player and we went out and got him because he was a great guitar player. And then he came in and was like, you know, hey, my favorite band is Gojira and uh, Mashuga. And, you know, he loves Zyrda's Murder. Not to, you know, mention them again, but it's just <laughs> like, he just loves those bands. And like Fit for an Autopsy and shit like that. Bands that I, truthfully, had never fucking heard. So I was kind of like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, write what you want to write, you know, it's your job, you know, we'll write together, but write whatever you want to write. And it just kind of like melded into this thing because, you know, I'm still in the band. I am, you know, an old school hardcore fan. And so I just do what I do the way I do it. But Nico does his thing and we all just kind of like mesh together to make exactly what we sound like strictly by virtue of the fact that we just are the people that we are. It's really not discussed like we didn't really plan on it at all and when you guys first kind of started making a noise and started playing shows you 
released two EPs, and that was Deathbed and then the self-titled one. Um, how yeah. how was it going at the time in the band? Like, did you feel like you were gaining some attention? Did you feel like you were making some momentum? Because it it looks like from an outsider's point, you guys were really straight away on the ground running because you had some very good shows. Um, you know, playing New England, playing with bands like Vanna, as you said, and then there was like Comeback Kid and this. How how was it at the time after these two EPs? How was it in the band? It was good, man. You know, it was it was interesting. It's it's hard when you're on the inside, when you see it from the inside because like you said, you're running, you know, you're running as fast as you can. So you don't really notice the change. And, and, um, you know, there's two ways a band can go. A band can blow up real fast, you know, like nothing against this band, but like knock loose, just like blew up. Like mm. they're just, they're just as big as they are very quickly. And it just happened for them. And like, because they're good and because they're catchy and that's sick. But the other way to go do it is, you know, you earn it real slow. So when you're doing it that way, um, you don't really have the opportunity to like notice as you're going, you know, you're kind of just working as hard as you can and hoping that you gain traction. It's funny now to like, look back at the stuff that we've done and realize how fortunate we've been, you know, like how far we've come from the shows we used to play when we first started as a band to now, you know, playing, you know, with some of our favorite bands ever and just being able to have like these opportunities that we have. It's just, it's definitely interesting. But back then, you know, in the band, I think that realistically, I think that the feeling that we were really having was that I kept fucking losing members. Like dude just kept quitting. Like we kept losing guys. So every time we would get some like traction rolling, I'd feel like I'd be looking for someone new and we'd be changing our sound a little and doing the, the work. And now that we have like a really cemented lineup, I feel better. I feel like we can direct our attention wholly to just being a, bigger band like just trying to work as hard as we can you know what i mean there's no like there's no outside effect from you know losing a dude or doing whatever we had to do back then so yeah we're really fortunate now and you know the label stuff helps and the management stuff helps too because they do take care of parts that i was worrying about back then that i don't have to worry about now so it's nice it's definitely a lot better now than it was then you guys also seem to have um and i think it's very Um, commendable now in the scene and the culture we're in you guys have that old school hardcore work hard ethic is that something that's just like comes natural to you guys or do you guys know that you've got to work hard you've got to put in the yards to get anywhere um, in this industry because a lot of bands as you said like not loose they're fortunate they blow up big straight away or some bands just expect it to be given to them, but you guys seem to be just, you put in the yards, you work hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. They, you know, they want to be the band that blows up and they just sit around and wait for it to happen, but that's that's not a good method. Some bands are that way. But yeah, you know, I think it's a mixture. I think it's a mixture of the two. You know, I like, I think it's just the way that we are. Like, we just hate, I hate off days. Like, I don't like them. You know, there's nothing to do and like, I'm just sitting there with my dick in my hand in the van and it's just like, you know, fuck this. Like, I don't want to play if I don't want to do an off day. I want to go play a fucking show. So like we go play a show and, you know, whenever we're in Colorado Springs, we have commitments to go play, you know, we have to go play in Denver. We just happen to really like playing in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. So we go and play two shows in one night 
because like to us that just makes sense like fuck it why don't we just go play two shows because there's two shows to be played so uh and then also alternatively yeah man i mean if you don't go out and get it no one's gonna get it for you you know and again like yeah. we come back to it you know the knock loose dudes those knock loose dudes blew up right but like they've also played like 300 shows in a fucking year mm-hmm. you know like they're fucking earning it like no matter how big they're getting and how fast it's happening you know like if you don't work hard you're just not it's just not gonna happen so you know i want if my band fails i want to know that i put in the work to at least try you know like i would never want to be sitting back one day and looking back at it and being like wow man i could have done this like fuck that like i'm gonna do plus i'm getting old you know what i mean i gotta do this like now so I'm fucking going for it now. And it's it's commendable and it's noticeable. And I think from when I first heard of you guys, um, and I think probably a lot of people started noticing, you know, Great American Ghosts was the album uh, Everyone Leaves. Now, that you got, you got signed to Good Fight Records for that album and you're still on Good Fight Records. How did the link mm-hmm. up with the label happen? Um, thank you for noticing that we work hard, by the way. I appreciate that. Oh, oh and, mad, uh, mad respect for the way you guys grind it out, man. Mad respect. Thank you. Thank you, man. It means a lot. I want to get to Australia and grind it out. It's my fucking, it's my life goal. Yeah, we need um, you down here. But yeah, we, uh, we're, we're going to be there. But um, yeah, you know, good fight. Uh, we had a manager. Um I won't say who it was because he dropped us, so whatever. But uh, we have a new manager now, which is a better situation. But when we had our old guy, he worked for a company, and they worked closely with Good Fight. So, um, you know, we had Everyone Leaves recorded. Like, we had it completely done. And um, he just kind of, like, hit me up and was like, hey, you know, send me everything you have, and I'll try and get you guys shopped out to labels. And I was like, we have a whole record. Like, we have a whole full length. He was like, okay. So we turned around and we were talking to a couple labels and um, Carl just like, I don't know, man, Carl just like struck me in a certain way. Carl's the guy that runs good fight. Um, and uh, it didn't hurt that <laughs> coincidentally, you know, Carl from good fight is the guy that he's Carl from ferret. He ran ferret records. Oh, wow. So, so Carl signed misery signals. Carl was the dude that, signed misery signals and signed every time i die and signed all these bands the first thing like the first time you ever heard any of those bands was because of carl so like for that dude to call me and just be like a normal guy and be really kind and be really caring and actually give a shit about my band and like know things about us you know like he wasn't talking to me like i was just some fucking number to him you know he was just talking to me like a normal guy and um for that to be the way he was and for that label to carry themselves the way that they do and work as hard as they do for all their bands. It just like, just made a lot of sense to us, you know, and the fact that they wanted us was obviously a plus because, you know, can't find a label that doesn't fucking want you, but they were, they seemed legitimately excited about us. So it was like, just seemed to make sense on all accounts. So I remember signing that contract and just being like, blown the fuck away just the fact that i was even signing it at all was just like wild you know what i mean now that that album um i think well it's every album vocally and lyrically but 
That album is definitely very personal, it feels, lyrically. Um, you seem to not only are pissed off, but you're pissed off um, on the outs for the outside world, but also the inside. Um, is that something that just happens for you naturally, writing that way, or is it a struggle for you to really give all of yourself through those lyrics? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's super natural. It's natural for me. Like it's very much natural. Um, which I'm lucky for, you know, I'm glad I don't have to like beat my head against the wall for stuff like that to come out. But at the same time, sometimes it's like a little, definitely a little much sometimes, um, to deal with, you know, on a personal level, but yeah, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up listening to, to bands and I just remember, I remember hearing like a lot of bands, but I remember hearing, um, you know, American Nightmare and I remember hearing Blacklisted when they first came out and I remember hearing those dudes and just the, like the lyrics are just so like personal, just so wildly personal and very introspective and very open and very like not shy about being kind of embarrassing, you know, sometimes, you know, like telling everybody that, you know, and I'm not saying that this is a cool thing to say or that you should do it, but you know, I don't, you know, whoever's heard our first record, like some of the lyrics are, you know, I literally say, you know, maybe I should kill myself, things like that, mm. that you shouldn't be ashamed to say those things. You know, that's how I, that's what I learned. I learned from bands that I loved. It's like, well, you know, if you want to make a great song, then you got to tell everybody exactly what's on your mind. So when I write lyrics, those are just the lyrics that come out of me, you know, and sometimes it's weird, you know, sometimes the producer that we're working with is like, you really want to say this right now? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like I got nothing else. So this is what I write. So, do you, um, do you then find I'm it very hard? Fortunate to, do you find it hard to then perform those songs without giving all of yourself to it? Do you have to really kind of get into a mindset to be able to play songs like? I think the one you're talking about is Dead Punks, if I'm correct. It. Do you have to really get yeah, into yeah. your head to perform those? You know, no. I mean, I am. I just am. I, you know, this is a, a brief podcast, obviously, and, um, you know, we don't have a chance to get to know each other just yet, but um, it's just, that's just how I am. Like, I'm just like this all the time. Like, I, I, you know, people that know me know that I just, I just say that I just, I'm just honest all the time. I just say exactly what's on my mind all the time. I'm very intense. And like, if I like you or don't, it's very clear. I don't, I'm not good at pretending to be something in any way. So when we play, I just am that way. You know, I just, like when I'm saying those lyrics, I'm in the exact same spot mentally that I was when I wrote them. Mm. So it doesn't, it's not hard for me. You know, it's just like, it's funny, like when we're done playing a lot of the time, kids will come up to us after and be like, you know, hey, great set. And I'll, you know, shoot the shit with them, have a nice little conversation. And they'll be like, you know, I thought that you weren't going to be very nice. And I was really nervous to come up to you. And I'm like, Sorry, you know, but that's just, <laughs> that's just, you know, the, 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 the mindset that I'm in when we're playing is the mindset that I was in when I wrote the lyrics and the mindset that I am when I get off the stage is that I feel better because, you know, I, I exercised, I exercised the demons, so I feel fine, you know, but that's just how I am. So yeah, it's, it's, it's easy, but alternatively, it's not easy. You know, writing them is, writing them is hard. You know, like the last record that Hatred, for example, like Hatred Stems from the Seed is just a fucking like, that was a tiring record. 
tiring record to write. You know, it took fucking seven days to write those lyrics, and that's a long time for me. So that that um, album, yeah, is, it was very is fucking. That, that is a beast. That album, hatred stems from the seed. That is vicious. That I mean, that feels you, like you guys have taken um, that sound to the next level. I mean, the the mosh moments, as cliche as it sound, um, have really stepped up. Uh, these songs. I mean, we uh, unfortunately we haven't seen you down here yet, but thanks to YouTube. I've seen some of the footage of you guys playing live. It feels like these songs are now replicating even better in a live setting. Um, how how is this album going for you guys? Because it it looks like it's blowing up. This album. Hey man, I hope so. Um, I really appreciate that you like it. By the way, I really appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, you know, I hope so. It's it's interesting because it's like. Like I said earlier, you know, when you're on the inside, you don't notice. Mm. It's just kind of like, you know, I'm we're just plugging away, you know, like every day. It's like I'm just working on getting us another tour or getting us to Europe or getting us to Australia, you know, like that's my that's my move. So it's like, you know, it's hard to like look around and smell the roses, I guess. But um yeah, you know, we've noticed difference. There's difference. You know, there's like very subtle little things that you notice. And you know, it's it's strange because, like, when you look at it, you know, objectively from beginning to end, it's like you know we've had these huge opportunities and done all these crazy, crazy things, and and um, you know, if I thought I was going to do that five years ago when I started this band, I, I would have, I would have laughed. Like, I didn't think that that was really what was happening when I started this band. I didn't think that we were going to play with Gojira, you know, be lucky enough to play with Gojira, like for no reason other than they just like us. Like they just were interested in us. And, uh, you know, some of the phone calls that I've gotten and some of the attention that we've gotten from people that I really respect. And then, you know, like kids that seem to give a shit, you know, like I'm not like tooting my horn. I'm just saying that this is a fact, you know, like we have 30,000 views on our new music video. And, um, that was in like two days. I think we put it out the other day. And, uh, when I look at it now, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, we got to get those plays up. Like, let's get those plays up. How can we get kids to pay attention? But like six years ago, 30,000 kids would have never fucking watched our music. They don't give a fuck about us. Mm. You know what I mean? So hatred is the vehicle, you know, like that record is the reason that people are giving a shit. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, man. It feels good. It's when I do get a chance to have like that moment where I'm not just fucking running as fast as I can trying to, get us to be more successful it, it feels like it feels good it feels i'm very happy with it and something i've i've noticed um that it seems like you guys are very good at is you're very good at um it's a unique it's a unique thing to say in this current climate but you guys seem to be able to market yourselves in the right way if that makes sense you know you're portraying the music in the right way there's the right line of merch there's you know you're putting a brand out there in a way is that something that you guys have yeah. s set out to do or is it something that you've been given a bit of guidance with no man it's it's us i mean we i'm i appreciate it you know um it's important you know like that shit is important whether people mm. want to admit it or not you know like how you portray your band is important. So we try to do a mixture of what we want to be, you know, like what we are, you know, 
Um, cause you know, like I can't help the fact that I'm a tattooed fucking weirdo that wears nothing but black all the time. And, you know, <laughs> listens to heavy music. Like that's just who I am. So it's easy to portray us as that because that's who we are. But at the same time, you're 50, 50 is like, you're being yourself completely. And 50%, you're kind of trying to keep in mind, like what kids and what people will pay attention to. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's engineered, man. I'm not trying to make merch that people don't like, you know what I mean? Like there is definitely a, a part of it that, that is, um, is thought out very, very methodically. And, and again, like you said, I mean, our manager, our management company definitely, you know, tries to help us with that whole thing. But, um, I know that we're a lot more hands off than a lot of the bands that they help, you know, it's not, they don't really have to like hold our hand as much, you know, I like, I just think if I think it's cool, then people will think it's cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Like hopefully, you know, if like, cause I'm a person, like I'm a human and uh, I like cool stuff. So like if I think it's cool, then hopefully other people will think it's cool. And if I thought it was whack, we wouldn't do it. You know, it's like, that's, that's lame, you know, like that's, that's not cool. So we're going to not do that, you know? So that's pretty much the, that's all we really have to do. Like, that's our judgment. It's like, if we look at a thing and we're like, that thing sucks, then we just don't do it. One of my so favorite, that's, you know, one of my favorite bits of merch you did around the everyone leaves time was that Jersey looking with the zero and the one along with everyone leaves. Fuck that. That yeah, was, that yeah, was everyone sick. Everyone leaves. Yeah. That was sick. Yeah. I love that thing. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, they were so ex- they were so expensive to make that we only made it once. We only made one run because they're so expensive. Yeah, because that's a jersey, isn't it? It's actually I've, a jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I love those. I love that merch. I like. I like the everyone leaves stuff a lot because that is such a depressing statement. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone leaves <laughs> is such a depressing statement that it's like, you know, I used to love that merch, and now it's you know we're three, four years removed from that record, so it's hard to be like. You know, here's the shirt, and everyone's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I'm yeah, like, well, "Oh, it's the first record." <laughs> we're going we, back. We yeah, have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like this merch, so we're going back. I tried to, I tried to sneak in an everyone leaves shirt with our new merch run that we're doing for our new merch store, and our manager was like, "Dude, are you fucking kidding me?" And I was like, "No." I was like, "I like this shirt. I don't know what you want me to say." <laughs> now, something you were talking about is um, that you, are, you guys, obviously understand that the climate's a bit different now with you know, branding yourself and getting yourself out there. Um, as someone who's grown up in the scene and you're very active in the scene, obviously, being in a band, how do you see yeah. you, how do you see the heavy music scene now? Do you see it in a, it's going in the right direction or do you think it's maybe in a bit of a lull? Where do you see heavy music at the moment? Whew. I mean, you know, I think it's, um, I think there are different, I think there are different tiers, you know, I think there's different ways to look at it. I think that some stuff is doing better and some stuff sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, like kids that are into knock loose and knock loose and all those bands are like really reinvigorating, um, kids, you know, like music, our, our music, you know, like however they're doing it and however, you know, like that band and, um, I mean, you know, the Acacia Strain is kind of like has been around for a long time, but like the Acacia Strain is doing it still every time I die is doing it. And they're all kind of like kicking around. I mean, there's a lot of new bands that are coming around, like left behind and those bands that are like 
you know, playing heavy music and getting kids to give a shit and having kids come out, you know, like by the thousands, you know, like that's, that's something special. That's cool. Um, and then alternatively, there are bands that are terrible and I won't mention who they are, but you know, there are some bands that are fucking bad and they're playing bad music and they're doing it for the wrong reason. That's fine too. You know, like good for them. I, I am in, I am in no way, shape or form in any sort of position to judge them. Like I don't really give a shit. Mm. Um, I just, I'm I'm just happy that heavy music is still going. I think that, truthfully, I think that more interesting than the present is the future. I think that the future of heavy music is that um, it's only getting more accepted. And I think that that's awesome. Like, I think that that's cool. You know, like, as Fit for an Autopsy charts on the top 200, or, you know, the next Knock Loose record will chart on the on the top 200. And, like, these bands that are releasing records right now and like parkway drives new records gonna be in the top 10 or something yeah it's gonna blow up that way so yeah and there's there's a lot of bands like that you know that are releasing records right now that are like that are good and they're gonna start selling them and as we start getting kind of like infiltrating into this pop culture that is very hard to get into um it's gonna start being more accepted and and that's cool to me you know like i want it back to when we're not back because, you know, that shit never, I hate when people are like, I want it to be the way it used to be. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, like when, like, you know, every person that says like, I wish it was like the way it used to be. When you were a kid and you were having fun, there were a group of people saying, I wish it was like it used to be like you're, <laughs> you are, you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. cyclical. This is all just a cycle. Like, don't be an idiot. You know, like I don't wish it was like it used to be. I want it to be like it is now. I want it to be better. So, you know, I think that there's a time, there's going to be, we're getting to the point where like, you know, Code Orange is getting big, like they're getting really big and I want it back to the Pantera days, like, you know, when we're playing fucking stadiums and doing like real shit and there's metal fans, like real legit hardcore and metal fans that come to shows. I feel like that's where we're headed because how could it not be, you know, like we're selling more records and we're getting more streams and we're doing all these cool things. It's like, I mean, not us specifically. I mean like us in the grand sense, you know, like the whole community. So it's like, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to head. You know what I mean? And and if, you know, I know a lot of people hate on bands like Attila and all that shit, but like if those bands help, then fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I tore with Attila. Hell yeah. Well, they bring in the people, as you said. And, and yeah, dude, whatever. Well, I mean, they're touring with like ITP. I don't know. That's uh, yeah, that's a whole different mm. conversation. Um, oh, dude, whatever. Juggle, juggalos are just as unaccepted. Yes. Probably because they're total nightmare people. But at the same time, you know, like they're they're misfits just like us. Yeah. So whatever. They're they're um, outside. They can come too. to the show. Who gives a shit. Yeah. Um, now, an interesting thing I think now it's there's like you said it's going in a in a good direction. Things are moving that you know a band can get noticed really quickly nowadays and if you look back in the 90s it was really hard to get noticed and part of that i was wondering for a band or an and an artist like yourself do you feel like it's hard to stay relevant do you feel like it's hard to you have to stay in the limelight if if you know what i mean you have to stay in your listeners attention because if you go away for a bit they might forget about you and move on to the next thing yeah, you know, I think it's, yeah, content. Like, content is a big thing now mm-hmm. um, because the Internet is so immediate. You know, we're in this, like, we're in this um, generation where we're, um, 
everything is so immediately accessible. Like you said, you know, you said yourself, um, you've been watching our YouTube videos and you've seen us live. Mm. So anybody can see my band right now. They can see my music video. They can see everything I've ever released. They can listen to it right now. So if you're not like continuing your content and if you're not continuing to stay relevant, then yeah, like there's going to be 30 other bands that are going to take your place because there are that many bands doing this right now. You know, back in the day, there weren't so many bands and the internet wasn't prevalent or didn't exist at all. So getting this kind of information was difficult. So you'd have to go to a show every week, you know, like you'd have to go and try and find new bands. And, you know, like, I don't know. My thing is like, it's not like that anymore. And that's fine. Like I said, you know, like I don't wish it was like the old days, but like kids don't go to shows to find new bands. They go to shows to listen to the bands they like. Yeah. So that's changed. That's inherently different. So you need to stay relevant. You need to keep your content up. You need to keep being prolific. If you're not prolific, no one's going to care. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's a unique time to say the least. Now, um, before I'll ask a couple more questions and then we'll kind of let you get back to your, what is it? Sunday evening. Um, (laughs) do you, man, do you, whatever you got. (laughs) I was, um, I was wondering what's ahead for great American ghost. I mean, we're talking about staying relevant You've recently dropped a new music video. Is the touring cycle for Hatred Stems from the Seed near its finish? Or has it got a bit more life in it? Is there maybe a new album in the works? I mean, what's what's going on in Great American Camp? Well, I can tell you that um, touring. Nice. Lots of touring. Um, you know, we're, we are writing a new record right now. Um, but mostly it's, it's about, um, touring on hatred. Um, because you know, like for everybody that, for every person that's heard our record and I appreciate it greatly, you know, there's probably a hundred people that haven't and don't know who we are. So, um, there's definitely still a lot of real estate to cover with hatred. You know, like we're doing a tour with, within the ruins. Uh, we're doing another tour in July with a band that I can't tell you who it is because we haven't announced the tour yet, but that's going to happen. And then we're doing like a, another huge tour, huge by volume. Like there's like 60 days, um, in the fall. And, um, we're doing that and then we're going to Europe, you know, we're doing all these things and, um, that's all going to be for hatred because like, you know, we feel like it's old because we wrote it a year ago and people who know us have heard it before, but you know, there's still a lot of people that we haven't shown, that record too yet and so we're just going to try and hit the road and just show it to as many human beings as we possibly can you know and and you know like you said the the being prolific we're just gonna we're gonna try and keep the content rolling with it you know like you said we just released a music video for my personal favorite song on the record and or not my favorite probably but definitely the probably the heaviest one and then um yeah so we're just gonna keep doing that we're gonna release some more music videos for sure soon that uh, and, that uh, video. Try and keep chugging it. That video, that song. I think what? if if anyone hasn't heard the album, you put on that song, and that's the opening track. No savior. Fucking hell. That lets you know yeah. what you're in store for. And I I question anyone that can't fucking get into that song because that song is a fucking ball terror. That is sick. <laughs> that's fucking. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's oh. that. I've been trying. I was like. 
so that wasn't the first song that we made a video for. We made a video for another song. Yeah, the big and, cypher uh, called Ann Arbor, which right, which I like. I like that. I like that song, and I like that video, and it's a personal song for me. But at the same time, it's like in the back of my head, I was like, "Yo, No Savior is the song. Like, No Savior is the song that I want people to hear, to know my band, to know who we are." And uh, so we planned it out in a certain way, you know, because like I said, we got a lot more people to get you know, to try and get their attention. So the No Savior video coming out now rather than, you know, a year ago is, is kind of the plan. So, now, um, yeah, if anybody hasn't heard it, I hope that they go listen to it. Now, you're saying, you know, it's really, this is kind of something I'm very uh, glad to see nowadays. You guys, like you said, you've played with Gojira. You, you're playing with Within the Ruins. You guys don't just appear on hardcore shows. You guys seem to get on and play with a lot of bands of every genre. Um, you're kind of one of the few bands that are playing cross-genre bills. Um, is that something that's happened by chance, or is it something that you guys know that if you're getting out to different fans of different bands, you're going to spread out to more audiences? You know, don't just stick to the same environment. Is it something you've planned or natural? Um, it's both. Um, it's both like most things, you know, um, it wasn't that way initially. It just was kind of that we just, we, um, I don't want to sound desperate because we're not, but when someone offers us something, we just say, yes. Mm. you know, like if someone's like, Hey, we, do you want to destroy? We're like, yep, because we do. So we just do. So when we got offered these like metal tours or, you know, something like that, we would just be like, yeah, we'd love to. If we're free, then we do it. So um, it happened very naturally. And then, you know, the Gojira thing, you know, happened, and there's some Lamb of God stuff that's happening, and um, all those things kind of happened super, very, very naturally um, with those guys just happening to be interested in us, just us being lucky enough for them to give a shit about our band for no reason, really, just deciding that they liked us. And, um that all happened. And then it started being planned because we played those shows and those people are not better than hardcore kids, you know, like they're just different. Mm. So it was just interesting, you know, like things that, things that hardcore kids do, they, they don't. And things that they don't do hardcore kids do. So, you know, you get a, a different reaction from different people and they buy different merch, you know, like they buy totally different merch. We could have the exact same setup at one show and then have the exact same setup at another show, like a metal show and a hardcore show. And we would sell completely different merch. So it's like, why don't we do both? Because we need to optimize this. Like we need to be on everybody's radar. Like I want everybody to like my band. So, um, yeah, it started being like a plan thing. It was kind of like, yo, like, you know, if we do get a choice then you know, we try to choose, accordingly you know we try to choose you know hey you got this tour or this tour which one do you want to do it's kind of like okay well we did a hardcore tour before now let's do a metal tour or we did a metal tour before let's do a hardcore tour so um yeah we try and kind of do both because i want everybody i that you know truthfully this isn't like a cool thing for people to admit i know people don't normally admit this but like i want pe i want everyone to like my band fuck like, yeah. i want everybody to like my band yeah. so fuck it yeah that's i mean anyone that says they don't i think fucking kidding themselves i mean you know it's i agree yeah. i agree that's that's the reason you know you wouldn't have given your band a name 
if you didn't want people to yeah. hear it. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you titled your band. So like you want people to know who you are in some juncture, you know, like if you didn't care, you would just play in your basement and never show anybody. So it's like, this is the goal. This is what we're all doing here. So this is what I'm going for. This is what I want. So speaking of tours, the last real question I've got is, you know, you've mentioned earlier, you know, hoping to get to Australia. Um, is it something that's still in the early stages or do you think you're going to get down here this year maybe or is it going to be next year? When when can I expect to have a beer with you at the fucking bar? When, <laughs> when, when can I expect it? Um, I've, we've got some plans brewing okay. and they're very special. And we're very, very lucky to have the plans that we are having. Um, it will be early next year. Fuck yeah. I'm having a fucking beer with you next year. Fuck yes. Yeah. That happening. I'm down. Something something, something strong. Something strong in Australian, whatever you got. Oh, mate. We'll have a night. We'll make a night of it. Fuck yeah. So <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so, ready. So just before, what I like to do when I finish up is I do a segment called Pick Your Poison. And it's kind of a would you rather. So it's you have two options and you have to pick one that is the one you get for the rest of your life. Okay. okay. So pizza or burger? Um, pizza. I'm vegan. Oh, wow. Okay, how long? It's easy. It's easy. It's easy, yeah. The burgers, vegan burgers are okay, but vegan pizza is wild. So I'm fucking, I'm picking pizza all day. Oh, fuck yeah. How long have you been a vegan for? Um, for how, many, how many months have been in this year? Five? So five months. I've been a vegan for five months. But I was a vegetarian for like over two years. Oh, mad respect. I was a, a vegan for four years. Um, so. There you go. Hey, man. It's fucking, it's hard, man. It's hard, mm. but it's it's rewarding. I don't feel nearly as I don't feel nearly as disgusting as I as I used to feel. Yes, exactly. It's quite amazing what it does. Um, beach or snow? Oh God! What's interesting about that is that I fucking hate both of those. Can I get like something? Nah, fuck it. Um, I hate them both. I'm so I'm so fucking English and pasty white that I hate the beach. I get burnt instantly. But mutually, the the snow is such dog shit. Snow sucks. Um, all right beach i can cover myself you know what i mean i can knock it sunburn <laughs> but snow is a nightmare so i'm gonna go with beach cooking or dining out oh man see i really like both of those things that's mm. difficult it's not an easy segment um, no it's <laughs> the first one was so easy that i was like give me a fucking give me a cake <laughs> um dining out dining out sick Okay, cat or dog? Yeah, I mean, having, having someone else fucking cat or dog? Dog. Dog. Um, Terminator no or Predator? Wait, what was, what was the first one? Terminator or Predator? To be chasing me and trying to kill me or just generally? Just generally. Terminator. Ooh. Um, hockey. They've had, some, they've had some bad movies of both. Oh, there's some horrible Predator movies. Really bad ones. <laughs> some horrible fucking Predator movies, yeah. Oh, we were watching... Like everyone we, except for the first one. Well, we watched... Me and my wife watched number two the other week. Fuck, that is a bad movie. It's not good. Oh. It's, it's not good. Objectively, it's not good. See, but Terminator, 
Terminator 1 was good and Terminator 2 is incredible and then every other one is dog shit. So Terminator has one up on Predator. Yeah. Well, there's apparently a new Predator on the way, so it'll be interesting to see how bad that is. God. Yeah. They can't if it doesn't it. have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, I have no interest. No, it's got the guy from KM Peel, if that helps. Right. It's just weird. That doesn't, that doesn't help. It no. doesn't help. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, hockey or baseball? Hockey. Baseball sucks. Nice. Uh, Star Wars or Star <laughs> Trek? Star Wars. I should have just said Star Wars, right? Because you said Star Wars or, and I was like, it's going to be... My answer is Star Wars anyway, so <laughs> it's always... It's always Star Wars. Terra or Mad Bull? I don't know. Terror. Probably Terror. Good choice. Slayer. That's a, that's a tough one, but Terror. Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Oh, nice. Green Day or Blink-182? See, that's a hard one because Green Day got so boring there for so long. But so did Blink. But Green Day, because I, yeah, Blink, yeah, Blink sucks now, so <laughs> that's a difficult thing. Uh, no, Green Day, Green Day, yeah, changed Green Day changed my whole life, so I have to pick Green Day. CD or vinyl? Fucking <laughs> CD all day. Vinyls are overrated. Touring or recording? Touring. God, touring. Recording is such a nightmare. <laughs> and the last one, in the mosh pit or just outside of it, enjoying it? Just out, always outside of it. Yeah. Constantly outside of it. It's too chaotic in the pit. I'm too old. Yeah. I'm, I'm too old, man. Um, that is... Yeah. That is the chat done. Thank you so much, Ethan. Sick fucking chat. Great chat. Man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for giving a shit from so far away. I really appreciate it. Legend. Thanks, buddy. Hey, no problem, man. Have a good day. You too. Ciao. So that was my chat with Ethan of Great American Ghost. Massive thank you, Ethan, for taking time out for the show. Really, really appreciated it. Fucking sick chat. Can't wait to hang out, have a few beers when you get down to Australia. Also, anyone listening, if you haven't yet checked out Great American Ghost, get on iTunes, get on Spotify, get on Bandcamp, get on YouTube. Make sure you get into this band. They're one of those bands that if you like Knock Loose, if you like Code Orange, if you like Kublai Khan, if you like Bury Your Dead, these kind of bands... Great American Ghost need to be in there in your listening time. They're a great band. As you heard, Ethan is a solid dude, really nice guy, and it was really good to get time to have him on the Mosh Zone. And without a doubt, I would say that's probably my favorite interview and chat I've had on the show. So the only way is up from that point, in my opinion. And that is The Mosh Zone, episode 18, done and dusted. We're all over for this week. It's in the can. Thank you for listening. Of course, don't forget, chuck us a like, a follow, and a subscribe, however you're listening to it, whether it's through Stitcher, iTunes Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, 
SoundCloud. We will be coming to Spotify soon. It's in the process, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, hopefully within the next couple of days, ideally, to be honest. But we will be there soon, so you can have it on your Spotify as well. Also, whether it's your first time listening or you're a regular listener, thank you for taking the time out. And also, if you do have some free time, please spread the word about the show. Let your friends know. Tell your grandmother, tell your neighbor, tell your mates. And if you've also got the time, please share it on your social medias. Help us spread the word. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. So that's it for the show. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a safe week. Have a great week. Open the pit.